Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, tea tin tirade, lost passports, recycling face masks and fish operated vehicles. Now Lippy. Hello. Hello indeed. A heedless crime has been committed in the Grumpy Towers. Has there? Yes, and I know there's some dreadful things going on in the world at the moment. Mm. Nevertheless, within the confines of Grumpy Towers, somebody used the last tea bag in the caddy and didn't refill it. <gasps> oh my god. Yes. Drama. Big, big drama. But fortunately, I buy years worth of tea bags at a go. So it's always plenty to be had. But I was quite disappointed when I opened the tea caddy to find no tea bags. No tea bags. Disgraceful. You would not have seen that behaviour when I lived at the house. No, indeed not. But the the person concerned is on a disciplinary. Okay. Hopefully it won't happen again. Now, that's not the only excitement this week. It is not. <laughs> Our uh, planned skiing trip has um, has got a bit pink tog, as they say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it started on Sunday. We're recording this on Shrove Tuesday. So happy yes. pancake day if you're... Oh, happy pancake day. Well, you had yours day. yesterday, though, didn't you? I did because um, Chris works late on a Tuesday. So instead of doing late night pancakes, mm. I just had them yesterday. And I might do it again tonight. Treat myself. Yes, there was quite a nice video of you flipping a pancake. Yeah, I'm actually quite good at that, surprisingly. Yeah, well, you're not being over ambitious, which is to throw it right up in the yes. air to see how high you can get it. That's when mm. it goes wrong. So. Mm, definitely. Anyway, we digress somewhat. So on Sunday, you contacted me to say you were booking yourselves and Charlotte in on the aeroplane thing, and you needed <laughs> Charlotte's passport. Now, yes. Wife of Grumpy and Charlotte's passports were renewed last year. So I went into the the super secret safe we have in the house where we keep Mm. such things. I found mine, no others. No. And when you text me saying that, in my head, I was quite logical and was like, oh, well, they only, they didn't get them that long ago. Maybe mum just put them somewhere else because we were going to be using them soon. That's my first thought at that point. That is a distinct possibility. However, after a good eight hours of looking, turning out every cupboard, shelf and what have you, nowhere to be found so there was a the slightest possibility on monday if um, they could get the forms filled out photographs taken other forms signed by somebody and yeah. driven to peterborough by half past three we could may have got the replacement passports on time but also may not have also and i think probably more likely not have and i just mm. thought it was too much stress for for that so we're not Way going, basically. So we've lost a bit of money, but not a great deal. So instead, we're going, going on a boating boat. on the Norfolk <laughs> Broads. <laughs> I have honestly never seen the golf manager at work laugh so hard when I told him that story. I literally <laughs> walked in. I was like, oh, you know, I was going skiing. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm going on a boat instead now. And he was like, what? <laughs> So I went through the story with him and he was in absolute stitches. Yes, it is rather unfortunate. And of course, there is another reason as well. Is um, Chris played football on Sunday and had a bit of a mishap with his knee. He did. He already has a torn meniscus. And the words I said to him before he went to play football were, just be careful, you don't want to ruin skiing for yourself. 
And about 20 minutes later, I have a phone call. I'm coming home. Really? Okay. Surely the football game took longer than that. But I was just like, okay. Uh, I've, I've hurt my knee. I was like, oh, okay. Badly. Yeah, I can't walk. Uh, oh. Took himself to A&E yesterday morning and he's on crutches. Dear, oh dear. So I think all in all, it just points at best not going, really. Yes. He was very relieved, actually, to hear that mum had made a massive mistake and that we weren't able to go because I think he had kind of just made the decision that he was going to take the switch and spend most of the time in the chalet whilst we went out skiing. Honestly, if that had happened, he probably would have spent a lot of time with me because I don't think I've got enough energy to ski a great deal. So it wouldn't Mm. have been the the best skiing experience for me either at the moment but yes i have uh commented a few times he ha- he's been saying a lot about how amazing he is at skiing uh, and okay. it's just a bit of a coincidence i think that it is like yeah. this close uh, yes it does a bit anyway so i'm looking forward to the boating trip i've the map of the norfolk brawls has just turned up so i'll have a good <laughs> so look at that and work out where to go and and hopefully wife of grumpy won't get stopped by the river police again. Yes, that did happen last time yes. we went. And I'd she made the mistake of arguing with them as well, which is very strange. Yes, I needed to accelerate to overtake before the corner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> That's not a valid reason. <laughs> it's not at all. Well, I thought we might be able to do a, a bit of podcasting from the boat if I take my portable equipment. Um, there is that a mobile phone. Well, it would be if there is a mobile yeah. phone signal in um, in Norfolk, which I suspect we could do an on board with Lippy and Grumpy. We could. What a great idea! Mm. So that that will be in a couple of weeks. So we'll see how we do with that. Anyway, back to normal Lippy and Grumpy stuff. We had the usual live update from Davros on Friday. And uh, obviously he picked up on my mistake of confusing Jeff Lynn and Jeff Wayne and then pointed out later on it's a live review. Anyway, Davros has mentioned about the War of the Worlds experience and the yeah. fact you didn't mention the Thunderchild, which was a boat that was quite pivotal in the musical and the, um, not the film, but in the original book. Did that feature at all in interactive i think it did but not to the extent where i knew what that means <laughs> ah okay so it might have been one of those things if you're familiar with the story you would have gone oh yeah I know what that is. yeah so there is a part where there you're in a boat oh okay so that's so possi- possibly i it, assume so. that that's part would then be showing those scenes davros it is in there don't panic and he also made a very generous donation to charlotte's shine night walk in September. Thank you very much for that. And asked about the roulette hustler and what became of him. Well, the reason I put links into the webpage is so that people can go and find out more information. But on this occasion, (laughs) as you've been so generous, I will tell you what happened. So the gentleman concerned was Richard Jarecki, who made an estimated £8 million in today's money from working out how roulette wheels were biased. And they get biased because there's chips in it and there's wear in it and there's and they're not replaced very often so he was able with a painstaking analysis to uh, place bets and do very well from it so in 1973 he moved back to new jersey where he started a new career as a commodities broker with his billionaire brother so obviously there's a bit of money in the family he multiplied Mm -hmm. his fortune 10 times over 
uh, and also ah. whose penchant for games passed down to his son, who became the youngest chess master in history at the age of nine. At nine? At nine, yes. I'm I'm 25. I don't even understand chess, let alone play at a masterful level. People have different skills. Davros seemed to think that there may be a pair of concrete boots involved here, because obviously he'd... Uh, taking quite a lot of money from the casinos. But no, uh, Richard passed away in 2018 at the age of 87. So he lived a, a very long mm. life. Now, what bathroom news do we have? It's basically done. Excellent. I can see what looks like a bath panel in the background. Yes, that is. Ta-da. Yeah. Yeah. Only I can <laughs> see is. that. Only I can I see it. Nobody else can see it. I forget. There's no point moving the camera. Um, yeah, so... We just, the bath panel needs to go on and then the door needs to go on and that's it. Just the door and the bath Brilliant. panels. They fitted the lights and the mirror that has a light behind it today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think he did a few other bits. They tested the underfloor heating. Brilliant. So I walked in and I was like, oh my God, it's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not warm. It's just not cold. You know, when you step on a tile and you're like, ah, because your feet sting. Yeah. It's so it is phenomenally good. We, we've got it in a, a small bathroom. Uh, in the house and uh, we fitted that and it is one of the best things i've ever come across to be honest because it does it takes a chill out the tiles yeah and it it warms the room but it's quite insidious because you don't Mm. there's not a massive heat source in one place it's just Mm. gently warming the room and it's quite smart with it as well you set what time you normally get up and it makes sure the room's warm enough yeah that's very good can't wait for that um so technically we can be using it okay but we decided to wait until it was fully done, Un- until Chris hurt his leg, and then he said, well, you might need to go for a wee in the middle of the night, in which case he's going to yeah, have to absolutely. use the new one, because getting yeah. up and down the stairs is a pain. Um, so yeah, we're basically done. We're hoping tomorrow we'll be finished. Brilliant. Well, certainly the photos I've seen, it, it's the work is absolutely epic. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. So. Yes, well worth the wait. A bit longer than you thought, but uh, these things Two weeks longer are. than we thought, but that's fine. <laughs> that is fine. It looks good. We love it. Yeah. They've taken their time over it, which is important. So I, I think so that I'll is be important. having a bath this weekend. It is important. I remember that the bathroom that I built here took me eight years. It did. And what a masterpiece was that. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Thank you. Welcome. So during the week, I found a link to some slightly unusual bridal traditions and where some oh, of them no. came from. Yeah. So there's quite a few here. I'm only going to pick a few on from for the list. The the one that caught my eye was why fathers walk their daughters down the aisle, and apparently yeah. it's originally so to make sure the groom didn't back out. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, oh my god! I didn't think that would be why. Well, you have to remember that some marriages are arranged marriages and there might yes. be some resistance mm. between the individuals being married because they're being forced into it. So there's a possibility of doing a runner. But um, yeah. it, So it has turned into more of a sentimental thing than a necessity, let's put it that way. Yeah. But I was quite shocked <laughs> to see that. I'm going to tell Chris that's the reason why you're walking me down the aisle so he doesn't leg it. Yes, absolutely. I don't want you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, according to some historians, the tradition of bridesmaids wearing the same colour as one another and the bride, so they all look fairly similar, is to act as decoys. As decoys? <laughs> Decoy, yes. Is it normal to be kidnapped on your wedding? No, well, like, actually, yes, it is. Why do we need decoys? Actually, Isn't it? Is. <laughs> so if you go back to ancient Rome and um, China, 
during these times, it was common for a bride to travel far to her groom's town, but it made her an easy target for bandits or rival suitors. So it's a bit like, yes, yeah, so, yeah, sort of, uh, what film is that? Uh, oh, the second Italian job. So the, the, not the remake, yes. but the, the modern one where he's moving the gold and there's mm. a number of different vehicles all leave at the same time, all identical. And you don't know which one it is, although they yes. work it out. But it's that sort of thing. So X is a decoy. So you don't know which one actually is the bride. Oh, interesting. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So there's several of that. I'll leave the link for that. Although obviously nobody will ever read it, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'm just bitter. <laughs> Now, our regular listeners will know we're quite into recycling and trying to do our best for the planet whilst driving 22-year-old cars around. Yes. <laughs> yes, not quite Mine right, has just passed its MOT. Oh, good. Did you have it serviced as well? I didn't because I was a bit stressed about the fact the MOT was coming around rather okay. fast and I couldn't find anywhere that did the MOT and the service okay. at the same time. So I was like, I'm just going to get the MOT done. Then once that's done, I'll focus on the service. Excellent. Okay, well, that's good. Well, it's good the MOT's he's done. Anyway, uh, one of the things that's uh, distressed me a lot over the last couple of years is disposable face masks mm. and amount of plastic. Now, somebody has managed to take those face masks and turn them into batteries. What? Yes, I know. Into I don't batteries. batteries as in electrical batteries. Um, I don't understand the science behind it whatsoever. Um, but yeah, they can turn disposed face masks into batteries, which is just incredible. Which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I was really quite good for you. Yes, quite um, quite cheered to read that. Yeah, they deserve a pat on the back. They do. I don't know where you take your face mask for this to happen. And this looks like it might be in America. So, mm, yeah. Well, I did something, obviously, where we've moved quite a while ago now. Uh, I had a lot of clothes to throw out. Oh, yeah. And instead of just throwing them out, we I would never have just thrown them out, to be honest, like in the bin. H&M are doing a recycling scheme, so they'll take any clothes. Doesn't okay. even matter. Any fabric, as long as it's not too dirty they'll take it and then you get a five pound voucher to spend in the store oh wow oh what a great per idea. bag you take to them so it's a good idea in the fact that it's recycling the yeah. material properly but also the incentive then means that people actually do it um he so we were chatting to the guy at the store and he said it is really popular actually for people to be bringing in their stuff because then they get to spend five pound on stuff in the store oh that's brilliant to replace it so yeah our super secret safe Grumpy Tales is actually located <laughs> under a pile of clothing and life jackets. Yes. Um, the effort to get to the safe would deter the burglar from it, trying to get to the safe. It would deter, but actually I found out that I think so much stuff has been piled on top of it. The handle had actually bent some of the mechanism and you could actually open and shut it without putting the code in. <laughs> <laughs> But brilliantly, Helpful. because it, it's not a very complicated safe, uh, I actually no. managed to fix it by removing some screws and taking a pair of mole grips and bending a few things back into place. So it now does lock properly. But I suspect you could open those by just forcing the handle a few times. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's buried under so much stuff, nobody would ever find it. Anyway, as I was doing that, there was a pile of my clothes thinking, I don't need all of this. And I've not worn some of this for a very long time. Some of it is mm -hmm. old clothing, but uh, I do need to have a bit of sort out. And that would actually be perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. Some yeah. of the stuff just doesn't fit or it's mm. it's work stuff. 
Uh, if, you, if they can either recycle the or reuse the clothing or recycle the fabric, then that's, that's great. Yeah, so that's so. exactly what they do. The stuff they can reuse, they reuse, and the stuff that they can't, they recycle to be made into other products. Presumably my work jeans with cuts in them and holes in them, they're just put straight on the rack for people to buy. Yeah, probably, to be honest. <laughs> they're in fashion. <laughs> yes, they do seem to be. I was a fashion yeah. leader. Now, something else that caught my eye during the week was an article about Tesla and a thing called LIDAR sensors. And a LIDAR sensor stands for light detection and ranging. And basically, it's a technology that some of the car manufacturers are putting on their cars so they can detect other cars and obstacles to aid with uh, not automatic driving, but things like lane assist and collision alerts and stuff like that. Okay, cool. And the price of these things has, has dropped dramatically, as, as many other things have. Um, but Elon Musk is very sceptical about the whole thing and doesn't want to use them, which is slightly odd. Uh, until you read a bit further into the article and realise that what he's trying to do is actually protect his software. So the uh, software makes see. that decision um, rather than using these extra sensors. But they sound brilliant. I mean, they create a three-dimensional map of what's around and then the computers on board can make decisions about whether you're about to hit the car in front or somebody's going to come into you so it sounds like a very sensible thing uh, as long as we don't get people sat in the back reading a magazine thinking they're safe which is some way from that yeah Mm. some way from that and we were talking to a wife of grumpy's nephew at christmas and he had a Goda, I think it was. And it had to go in for some work and they reset the computers and it came out in European mode. So it's got something or other where it, it, it has lane assist and the UK model sits slightly further to the left and the European one slightly further to the right. But because they've reset it, his car is trying to move to the yeah to the right, oh, so it's right against. Yes, not ideal. Um, I th- I would have been straight back with that person and got that uh, changed because that would have driven me bonkers. And yeah. I'm not overly keen on these things. Uh, I wouldn't want my car constantly forcing me in one direction. No, no, definitely not. Uh, another friend of mine bought a uh, Citroen many years ago, and that had a thing in it where if he started to wander over the white line, it would yank the seat belt. He said, which oh. was really annoying. Really, really annoying. Yeah. Does it yank and release, though? Or does it just, Yeah, it was like, just sort of tug it. Yeah, you don't end up with your... Like strangling you. <laughs> being pulled into the, uh, the into the seat. No, it was just as a sort of a, a poking thing. Like, oi, you're going over the white mm. line. Which, yeah, in certain circumstances could be a lifesaver. Yes, yeah. This is turning to be a bit of a, an earthy and scientific episode, this one. Quite liking Ooh. this because my last piece. We're here, breaching a new genre. I don't think we are. I think it's just how the articles <laughs> have fallen this year, <laughs> this year, this episode. This one, yeah, just this one day. It's I know it feels one. like a year in a day, but it's just it's, one day. <laughs> it certainly does. So, one of the things I've learnt in many years of not producing very much food from a small allotment is that you can mm. grow stuff over winter, and it dies off and it dies off in the frost although we've not had many frosts this year and it nu- yeah. it gives nutrients but nutrients back into the ground and the advantage is that it keeps the weeds down and you know it's a natural fertilizer i don't like adding um anything other than 
natural fertilizers to it. Yeah. But obviously, if you're farming and you want to be a lot more successful than I am, you have to use a degree of fertilizers, you know, the ones that are, are okay to use. So somebody's come up with black-eyed peas. If you grow black-eyed peas in between other crops, so you grow crop one year, black-eyed peas second year, another crop mm-hmm. third year, black-eyed peas, when they die off, they start to put nitrogen back into the soil. And that's essentially what the fertilizer does it's adding nitrogen into the soil so that other stuff can grow and they reckon you can reduce the amount of fertilizer substantially by having that black eyed peas and that's something that you can sell it's not a you're not leaving the fields fallow for a year every other year you actually are growing something that that people will eat i have a question go on do they sing where is the love as they die yes yes they do and they spell their names slightly bizarrely as well it's black i p <laughs> black dot i dot p okay. yeah. yeah so i i was very interesting and, and maybe that's something mm. i'll try at the allotment because i quite like yeah peas give it a go. Beans. yeah it'd be good but i did come across what? an article which suggested you can grow peanuts in the uk that would be the best that would be fantastic but with my success rate they'd probably be mm. enough for a small packet and, I'm sure it'd be fine. Well, I don't, but uh, I, I must <laughs> go down there and do some cleaning. I've got some things to plant. Mm. Now, talking about farming and alternative energy, as we do, so I was watching Harry's farm this week, and he was talking about putting solar panels on one of his barns and how difficult it's turned out. So he's saying the actual cost of putting of getting the panels has reduced dramatically in the last few years. However, you can't just whack them on there and carry on. You've got to have a conversation with the local electricity generating board about how much you're going to create, because apparently what you can't do is create a lot more than you actually need and then push it all back into the grid because Uh, it all causes problems. So residentially, there is a a limit on what you can generate. And, you know, roofs aren't that big, so you're unlikely Mm. to be exceeding that. However, for farmers, you know, they've got massive amounts of, of roof space for barns. Yeah. So they, he was then limited in what he could put on there. And there was quite an expensive survey that had to happen. But then the company that were going to fit the panel said, oh, no, we can't fit it on that roof. We would need to put another basically metal grid on it to support them. It wouldn't, the, the roof wouldn't support oh, the, the weight of the panels. Hold. So he had a bill of something around about 24000 for for the solar panels but another thirty six thousand pounds for the supports and he's just going maybe it's just not worth it yeah Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be worth it it doesn't it would take a long way to pay that off but yeah exactly that's the thing isn't it like you're hoping you'd get the money back for it quite quickly but yeah but you gotta look at uh, 50 grand's worth yeah 10 years plus I mean, I mean, I don't know how much electricity they use, and, but I would have thought probably not that much. You know, mm. it's, a, it's a fact they're going to use more diesel than electricity. Then, that's the yeah. charging stuff. But, I mean, our energy company have told us this week that they expect our bills to go up by £1,300 a year over the next 12 months, which is... Well, as, should have locked into a two-year contract. Well, <laughs> it was too late, basically, to do that. And the energy company we were with went bust. So we, oh, yeah, so you had we to move. absolutely, we're a bit lumbered there. Yeah. So we've been investigating some solar panels and and possibly a heat pump 
to replace mm. the gas because the gas is the thing that's killing it. Um, and actually, a heat pump would probably be better environmentally as well. But there's lots of questions and lots of research to do. But it's it's all yeah. quite interesting. You do love a bit of research as well. I getting, do. I do pe- deep into. <laughs> Yes, I do particularly like a nerdy book to read. Yes, I had one one camping trip which was all about petrol, and that was absolutely brilliant. It was, it was nobody else mm. thought it was, but I thoroughly enjoyed that. And interesting, now we've got more ethanol in petrol. That book has sold out. Oh. I th- I'm going to put it as part of my pension plan because it'll be absolutely yeah, valuable. I would. Yeah. Absolutely valuable. Now, as you all know, one of my favourite publications is Private Eye. Yes. And there was two articles in, well, what is the current issue? This was from uh, Behavioural Brain Research. Oh, sorry, the Journal of Behavioural Brain Research that somebody had spotted. And it's somebody has decided to make what they call a fish-operated vehicle. And it was a set of wheels that they then put a goldfish bowl on. And it would move depending on where the goldfish was swimming in in the bowl oh, or in the tank. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So the fish were tasked to drive tasked. the the FOV or fish operated yeah. vehicle towards a visual target, uh, and they were able to operate it and explore the environment and reach the target regardless of the starting point. I don't know how you task a fish. No, I don't think a fish would understand that that's what it's doing. No. I think it would just swim around and it would be moving. Well, it was obviously, whether it worked out that if it moved, then it, it the it's um, like surroundings move. The fish operated vehicle would move accordingly and they were able yeah. to then go around rocks and stuff like that. Um, but it does see this tasking thing bothered me. I, I don't mm. know. Um, but it seemed to manage to avoid dead ends. And they would change the environment, and they would um, they would manage it. But uh, it'd be very interesting to see a video of that. It would be. Have you? There's a very interesting video of a guy who makes a squirrel course. Yes. And Is this a very he has old like a one? Mass- uh, I don't know. He makes it's like a massive pot of nuts at the end, yeah. and like he does loads of different tasks for them. Yeah. They have to figure out what they're going to do to get there and like lines all the poles with greasy stuff so they can't yeah. just climb up the poles and the, he does like random treats throughout to try and distract them to see if they'll realize okay. that it's like, i think one of them was like if they eat that it's on a sensor so if they touch it something else pings out at them and scares them so they have to go right back to the star and then after a while you see they avoid it even though it's food because they okay. know that they can't keep going if they stop yeah. and eat that one it's really cool Yes, they they did yeah. something like that many many years ago on the BBC, and I suspect oh. it's it's along the same lines. But uh, yeah, yeah, squirrels are phenomenally guy. clever. But I would say that's probably tasking a squirrel. Well, it is, but, still but you're not no, actually. They don't understand. Well, you're not tasking it. You're not saying to the squirrel, right? Look, what you're going to do today is you're going to mm. go from here and go get that big bowl of nuts over there. The same way as you can't say to the goldfish, right? Where are you going to go today? I mean, even if you sign it, they're not going to know. It's, it's just, <laughs> yeah. well, or maybe they hold it up and it's written, but I, that's not going to work either. But um, yeah. I, it was a very interesting uh, experiment, but it does mm. lack a little bit in detail. But whether I can get hold of the Journal of Behavioural Brain Research or not, I'll, I'll, I should endeavour to. Have a look. So, yeah, yeah just, just to have a look. Now, one of the things we do with the lions 
quite a lot is deliver leaflets for various events, yes. whether it's carnival or bonfire programs and various bits and pieces during the year. And we used to get the post office would do it in term in, in exchange for a big box of biscuits. But um, since <laughs> they've been privatized, they're not allowed to do that anymore. So we all go out and we've got our own patches. And we got it down to a T. We know how many leaflets to take with us to do various streets and what have you. One of my bugbears, well, there's two bugbears with this. One is people that have very small letterboxes. And the other one is people that have letterboxes at the bottom of the door. Because you've got to bend yes. over to do it. You've got to fight with a letterbox. If it's a new door, then they've got all sorts of uh, draft excluders. And you're trying to put this quite flimsy leaflet through this thing and yeah. it's just bending up and it's just a nightmare and then you hear a dog bark and you think i'm gonna lose my fingers here so it's uh, <laughs> low letterboxes are, are not not very pleasant not anyway useful. i was surprised to read that the communications workers union have been pleading for action on letterboxes at the bottom of the doors since 1958 wow which is astonishing and Apparently, other countries forbid low-level letterboxes, and yet we still have them in this country. I don't. What's the point? Like, I don't know. The only thing I could think is if you put something in the letterbox, it hasn't got so far to drop. Yeah. So it's quieter, and also it's you're less likely to break something. But I, you know, I don't think that's a reason to, to have them. If you're worried about that, we've got our letterbox is a box outside the house, so yes, it doesn't drop yeah. very far, and you put just put it in the top. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Anyway, this has gone through government and there was an agreement that the update of building regulations would uh, include the rules on letterbox. And that just seems to have been completely bypassed. Um, developers are still building houses with letterboxes at the bottom. Mm. But I was interested to see that um, the beef has gone back as far as 1958. Yeah. Uh, um, yes, I'm with you, right Communication Workers Union. Yes. I stand behind you. Uh, yes, indeed. Although I think I refuse to join when I worked at BT, but that's that's another matter. Another one of my pet peeves is unsubscribing from email. Yeah. Two things. One is if okay. I unsubscribe from email, what I don't want is an email telling me I've unsubscribed. Yeah. That, that is really annoying. And the other thing yeah. is you see a message saying it's going to take a week. It's going to take uh, two seconds. It's, how is that possible? How yeah. really? How is that possible? It's it's a bit like refunding money, isn't it? You can spend money mm. instantly. You can see it's got out mm. of your account instantly, and yet when you want a refund, you go, oh, it'll be uh, five to ten days before it appears in your account. Why? How is that possible? Yeah. So anyway, back it to email. It doesn't make sense. It yeah. doesn't make sense. Anyway, back to email. There was a uh, something on one of the socials that said, "You unsubscribe from our email list. Our unsubscribe donkey, Kevin, will begin his journey." Your request should be processed in four to six weeks. I thought, <laughs> yep, that is bang on. And there's a picture that of is, Kevin starting his journey in the middle of nowhere. With his backpack. <laughs> with his backpacks in the middle of nowhere. And I like donkeys. And Kevin looks mm. like a very healthy donkey to me. He does look like a good donkey, doesn't he? He does. And the last thing from this week is on Sunday we had Jigsaw Run, which is a yes, 10K yes. run that we've both done and yep. with different endings. Uh, <laughs> Very probably over 10 ending. years ago actually and it's a fundraiser yeah it for, must have been yeah it must be m must be so it's a fundraiser for Jigsaw which is a school that specialises in autism on Dunsfold Park where they used to film Top Gear I don't know whether they still do 
and it's generally very popular but this year not so much i think there was probably about 130 or 140 runners there where i think last one they did was nearly 500 apparently unfortunately it coincided with the brighton half marathon Uh, all the proper runners (laughs) yes all the serious runners yeah because they treat it as training for the london marathon Mm. and it's out of sequence as well it was delayed from last november it's normally towards the end of november and it's one of the last races in the calendar so people get quite a good time at the end of the year and and then go and relax over christmas but i think it was probably fewer people was a godsend to the organising team who were brand new this year. So normally you get somebody who's done it before, yeah. And Mm. it looks like they've, it was completely new. There's no faces I recognised. But the Lions are very happy to help out with that. Uh, Car parking is one of the things we do very well. You Um, do. I have witnessed the car parking skills of the Lions. So much of it. So it's handed down from lion to lion as well. I've uh, dipped my toe in. Yes, indeed. Well, you're coming to the Easter egg hunt, aren't you? You're going to um, oh, I am, yes. attempt not to consume a massive amount of chocolate in a few weeks. No, I'm going to attempt to assume, consume as much as I can. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting event. I will cover it in a bit more detail near the time, but um, mm. you, you see the, the difference in children. It's, uh, it's quite it's funny. And if the, interesting, if it's a, for sure. Yeah. Right, so do you have... You have already given a top tip. Have you got another top tip? Have I? Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was pretty good. Oh. I, I do have another top tip, actually. Excellent. I do. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it is a lippy top tip, but it's a lippy top tip based oh on what has happened this last week. Okay. So my top tip would be, when your passport arrives to you in the post, <laughs> put it in a safe place that you will remember immediately. <laughs> Not after five minutes, immediately put that passport in a safe place. I would say put it in the place where we've kept passports for the last 27 years. And where the yes. other passport is and all of the other yeah. travel documents that we need. And then yeah. when I go to get them, they're there. They're all together. Yes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Wife of Grumpy's approach to filing is a bit stuff it here. Worry about it later. As yeah. I found many, many, I- put it there. <laughs> yeah, many items <laughs> in drawers. I go, why is this in here? Oh, that's where my uh, plug time has gone. <laughs> in the back of a drawer. Why is that there? I've got a box for them in the garage. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's a very, very good tip. Keep important mm. documents where you, where you know where they are. Yes. So my fun fact is about the American flag. Mm. So just before the final two states were added to the Union, teachers all over the country assigned a creative project, design a new American flag. One student's simple approach consisted of simply re-staggering the stars so all 50 would he- would fit, his teacher thought the idea lacked originality and gave him a B minus. A year later, President Eisenhower called the student and asked to use the design. Oh, how well nice. done you. No names, unfortunately. Yeah. So we can't tell you who it was. But uh, That's a nice fun fact. It is a nice fun fact, and simple things are often better than more complicated. Yes, I definitely agree with that. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.